Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,351. This week, we're celebrating the 69th annual Pebble Beach Concord d'Elegance that takes place on Sunday, August 18th at the Lodge in Pebble Beach, California. I'm very proud to say that Cars Yeah is a sponsor of this prestigious event. To learn more, go to pebblebeachconcord.net. If you have an idea and have a dream, follow it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from beautiful Carmel-by-the-Sea, Nick Waller. Hey, Nick, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. My seatbelt's on. There we go. Nick Waller worked for 20 years as the marketing and design director for the Lavenham. Am I saying that right, Nick? Lavenham? Uh, it's close enough. Lavenham. Lavenham. Oh, well, that you say it much more eloquently than I uh, do. Lavenham Group. <laughs> yes. Lavenham in Suffolk. In there you England. go. That was in Suffolk, England, where they specialized in the publication of very fine automotive books. His passion for old cars is genetic, born of parents who shared with him the golden age of British motor racing. His father, Derek Waller, raced Bentleys in the 1950s and 1960s, and in 2006, Nick joined the Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance as an automotive consultant representing the Concorde in Europe. He is also a member of the Pebble Beach Concorde Selection Committee and a familiar voice as the Pebble Beach Awards Show announcer at Concorde Sunday. Or I should say on Concorde Sunday. I've heard your voice many times, Nick. Nick is a class judge at several Concours in Europe and Japan, as well as being the chief judge at the Valletti Concours in Malta and the Warren Concours in England. So, Nick, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Before we jump into the questions, would you take a moment, share a little bit more about your very enjoyable and fun career and a very obvious passion that you have for fine automobiles? Yeah, well, as you just said, it it is sort of genetic. I think my background, my upbringing was always around cars of some sort. My father was very interested in Bentleys from a young when he was younger. He bought his first Bentley, which was a Vandenplatt bodied four and a half liter Tura in I think it was 1950, something like that. 
And I still, because I keep everything, I'm a hoarder, so I keep everything from him that I inherited. I still have the check that he signed for that Bentley, and I think it was 247 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, I'd like to find a Bentley for 247 pounds now. I have a model which I paid more for. Yeah, exactly. Me too. (laughs) It's one of those things. But he and my mother, Mary, they were passionate about cars. They were members of the Bentley Drivers Club which was kind of a ticket to meet lots of very interesting people. So when I wasn't even a twinkle in their eye at the time, but they met people like Briggs Cunningham, who was a a Bentley Drivers Club member. And that's how they got interested and got started in and around the motor racing circuits of the 1950s. Because Briggs invited a number of friends from the Bentley Drivers Club to join him at uh, Le Mans when he first went in 1950 and then all the way through to 55. So my parents would go down to France, go to Le Mans, spend the week with Briggs Cunningham, helping out in the pits, you know, meeting all these great people. John Fitch was became a great friend. And really, I've grown up on stories from those days, which I think form my real love. The 1950s, early 60s motor racing, which is the highlight, the golden era, I like to call it, of sports car racing. So I, I, you know, it can never be reproduced because of health and safety and all that sort of thing. But you know, you sometimes, if you ever get a chance to go to Goodwood Revival, they put on a damn good show of that sort of oh, era. Gosh. <laughs> just the best. Yeah, absolutely. I attended the La Jolla Concours this year, and I got to ride in the tour the day before in a Joseph's uh, gentleman that let me be a passenger, a 32 open Bentley touring car, and we drove all over San Diego County in that thing. A bit of a challenge to drive. That gentleman drove that car from Sacramento to La Jolla, 500 plus miles the day before. Then we drove all over San Diego. He uh, put it in the Concours on Sunday and then drove it home Sunday night back to Sacramento. This guy's an animal. I mean, just... Bentley drivers, Bentley owners are a breed apart. They really are. They, you know, the whole double D clutching, the, the mechanics of a Bentley are, as I think Atturo Bugatti said, they are rather truck-like. I think he <laughs> called them trucks when he was racing against them in the 20s. Yeah, no doubt. I could hear that. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you, and we're going to talk a lot about the Pebble Beach Concord this year because I know of all your involvement. But first, as we continue on this journey we call your life, Nick, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get those Bentley tires rolling here on Cars, yeah? So, Nick, take the wheel. Oh, goodness. Well, I wouldn't expect anybody to follow in my footsteps, but I... When I first met the team at the Pebble Beach Concours, I took a leap of faith. And I guess I would say, you know, if you have an idea and have a dream, follow it. I was very lucky enough to step out of publishing and printing into this mad, crazy world of collecting and and car collecting and Concours. And I've never looked back. I've been I'm one of the luckiest men alive, I have to say. (laughs) Well, I always believe we make our own luck, and we're going to talk a little bit about a letter that you sent Sandra of inquiry. I'm going to bring that up in a moment. Oh, because no. I, Oh, yeah. I know a little bit about you, Nick. I have a little bird that's been whispering in my ear, so we're going to touch on that, but I want to go back in time a little bit 
you know, we I touched on it with my intro. You touched on the fact that your father was so active, but I want to know about a story that you can think back and remember that instigated this deep passion you have for cars. That pivotal moment in your life when you knew what, like dad, I'm a car guy. Mm. Two things. The first, I can't remember. But <laughs> I have photographic That's evidence. That's the best answer to that question I've ever heard. Thank I you. can't remember, Mark. <laughs> I, again, going back to Briggs Cunningham, Bentley Drivers Club, one of the cars that featured in my life right at the beginning of my life was I was, it was either, I think it was taken to my christening in a R-type Bentley, a Continental, whose name was Olga. Well, that was kind of here or there, and I thought nothing of it at the time. I was only a few months old. But later on, I get to realize that that car was the prototype for the R-Type Bentleys, the Continentals. It still exists and is owned by a dear friend in Nevada uh, called Anne Brockington Lee. And also was the prototype, as I say, for the R-Type Continental, very special car. And I've, I've seen it once or twice since, and we'll be seeing it again in a couple of weeks' time here at Pebble. So I'm, that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. Then there are things like yeah, I was taken to primary school in England in the open-topped four-and-a-half-litre Bentley with my mother driving. I've got photographs of that. All of this starts to build a picture. And then I think I remember my 17th birthday. Now, in England, we don't get to drive a car on the road until we're 17. And the first car I ever drove on the road was a little Lancia Fulvia Coupe that my father owned. And I just remember thinking i'm in charge of this car i had somebody alongside me and i drove that car for the first time i think about 7 15 a.m on my 17th birthday and that was it off we go cars are something that you're born with like me i guess and something that i enjoy every single day autonomous cars to me just sound like hell on wheels. <laughs> That's a bus. I need to be driving on a bus. Yeah, I think yeah. I agree with you there. Well, let's talk about a big challenge or a failure you faced along the way in your career of some kind. The reason I like to ask this is not so much about drumming up maybe some bad memories, but is what did it teach you? What did you learn from it? And how did you move forward from that experience? <laughs> bad memories, golly. There are one or two. Embarrassing moments, I suppose. I uh, broke down. I used to help out at uh, Goodwood, as I mentioned earlier. I used to help out the period taxis. And we would drive these 1950s taxis around the circuit, with often with uh, VIPs in attendance. And they'd be sitting in the back. Now, these cars were not well built. They were not well prepared. And very often, hot weather I can remember breaking down two or three times around the circuit or around the perimeter of the circuit, taking people here, there and everywhere and having, asking them to actually have to get out and walk. So that's not a good experience. And if you can come back from that, I think you're a better than man than me. Uh, golly, bad experiences. Mispronouncing names on the ramp. Oh, 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 oh. yes, yes. And yeah. if I may... I may get killed for repeating this. I may get killed. But there was a very early on, I think it was the second year, I was announcing the winners. And one of our wonderful sponsors, <laughs> I still hesitate over his name, Barry Maguire. Oh, yes. You no, know, Barry's been a friend for decades. He's been a guest on this show. 
I managed to pronounce his name Maguye. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because it's, you know, yeah, these sort of things. Now, I could have run away and hidden in the hills after that, but I decided not to. Carry on. <laughs> hey, He's you know what? Carry on. Yeah, yeah. You know, after interviewing as many people as I have, you're number 1,331 here today. 51, I should say. Wow. Yes. You know, it's... I always ask people's correct pronunciation and, and every once in a while something goofy comes out and uh, you just kind of cringe and go, oh no, but yeah, that's a good one. Well, you know, the great thing about you Brits is that accent of yours makes everything you sound like so classy and elegant and witty and smart. So you can say anything and we just go, oh, so he's so smart, so witty, so handsome. So, <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Well, you said it, not me. I'm not going to go there. You know, I mentioned earlier, I when you wanted to get involved with the Pebble Beach Concord, you sent yesterday's guest here on Cars, yeah, the chairman of Pebble Beach Concord Elegance, Sandra Button. You sent her a, a special letter of inquiry. I wondered if you might touch on that a little bit. Do you remember that? Yeah, very, as if it was yesterday, quite seriously, as if it was yesterday. I had been, we, Labnum Press, we had been involved with publishing and printing the history of the Pebble Beach poster book. Gorgeous coffee table book with every poster that had been painted, all of the artists. Great fun. We printed it. And the publisher, Dalton Watson, Glenn Morris, asked me to come over and help launch the book at Pebble Beach. So I, I flew over and it was, I think it was the first time I'd been to Pebble Beach. I'd obviously known about it, but it's the first time I'd been there. And I just, we spent four days here at Pebble. I fell in love with the place. I met, I got to know Sandra and Martin Button much better at that time. And I basically, I remember flying home through Chicago and I had a, a stop in Chicago, changed planes. I remember literally sitting in on the concourse at Chicago airport and I didn't want to turn my back on what I'd just seen. So the first thing I did when I got back, I wrote Sandra, actually an email, not a letter, but it was an email. We were quite modern then. And it was a long, it was probably one of the longest emails I've ever written. And I basically said, I would love to be involved somehow. I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't know what it could be. But if there's anything that uh, you needed, anything you want me to be involved in, I'm up for it. I'm available. And she came back and was, I was honored to be invited to uh, join the selection committee, which had been, was starting up at that time. I mean, the timing was great. The timing was perfect. And so, yeah. And as I say, I've not looked back since. And as I'm based in England. I live in England and work from England for the Concours. And it's a great life. And I'm forever eternally grateful to her and the team for allowing me to come and play. Well, you know what? Be careful what you ask for because you might get it, that old saying. But you also met somebody very special when you oh, came yes. out here who became, and I didn't know this until recently because I know Katie, your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. This is like being in court. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> I'm not going to bring up an old girlfriend. I promise oh, I won't good. do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I met Katie. One of the first things I did the, the next year after coming to Pebble for the first time, the next year, Sandra asked me to help Katie, who had just started Retro Auto, which is the automobilia venue 
people, the collectors gather, and it's a great part of Bevel Beach Concord. It's the retro auto where they sell automobilia, posters, clothing, la, la, la. And so Sandra asked me to help Katie run that or work there for the first year in the days leading up to the concourse. So off I trot, meet Katie for the first time. And I have to say, I was not a good employee because I actually wanted to go and look at cars and kick tires and meet people and go and see this and go and see that. So I used to make a lot of excuses to say, oh, actually, I need to go uh, down there. I need to go down to the field. I need to go and do this. I need to go and do that. So I wasn't really very much in attendance and goodness knows why. But Katie kind of, I think she and I hit it off immediately and uh, yeah a few years later we got married and it's been a fabulous ride ever since well, I can't anymore I can see why she's a wonderful lady I met her years ago when I was working a previous company before I started cars yeah I was working at Grio's garage and we used to come and do some things with the Concord and she was always very helpful to me always a smile over the phone I mean everybody I talked to there Candace Hawkinson uh, Sandra Katie I mean just a great group of people so congratulations but that's kind of a neat little insider story that now you Cars oh. listeners know about, which is quite fun. <laughs> Romance on the lawn on the 18th green. You know, nothing better than that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. I want you to talk to me about the first really special car that came into your life, a car that you owned, and maybe a special memory about that vehicle. Well, the first car I bought with my own money, let me think, was a, <laughs> a 1952 Austin Somerset, an Austin A40 Somerset. I hasten to add it was not brand new, but this was my first car I bought with my own money, and I think it cost 200 pounds. I bought it from a friend, and I was not very mechanically minded. I could change a spark plug. I could might be able to adjust a fan belt, but that was pretty much the limit of my mechanical excellence, and this car was great. It had a column shift, three-speed column shift. It had bench seats in the front. It wallowed like a boat. And it was heavy. And I think, I can't remember the size of the engine, 1,200 cc, 1.2 liters, something like that. And no brakes to speak of. One of those, another embarrassing moment, an adventure on a hill where I used to live in South London. I was going down a hill following a bus. The bus pulls into the left-hand side to pick up passengers. So I realized, well, I've either got to pull up behind it uh, realized I couldn't pull up behind it because of the brake situation. So pulled out to overtake just as another bus was coming up towards me. And it was my finest driving moment, I have to say, because as I went, I aimed for the gap between the buses. It's one of those times where there's nothing else to do. And I, as I went through between the buses, I heard a little snick snick on either side and I scratched the paint on either side of the car and they both had red paint on the side. I got away. We call those racing stripes here in the oh States. My yeah. Me. It could have been a lot worse. But that was my first car. I've had fond memories of that car. I would love to get that back. I would find that and drive that. It would be cool. have a smile on my face. Well, I've heard of the uh, Somerset referred to as short, chubby, and irresistible. So, yeah, just like me. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned, you've let go? And let's take money off the equation because that muddles up everything. Um, just something emotional. Maybe it is that Somerset, but maybe there's another one. I'm a really bad car seller. <laughs> That's right. You said you were a hoarder at the beginning of our talk. Oh, goodness. I, I cannot sell cars. So I have five cars. We have five cars now, which I perhaps should sell one or two because I'm running out of space. 
Regrets are not being able to sell a car, probably, is the answer ah, to that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's okay. I like that. No, you're ahead of most of us. You're probably a smarter man. So, Well, I would love to talk about this year's Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. Now, I had Sandra Button on yesterday, and we talked at length about what our listeners, the Cars Yell listeners, can expect to see on the lawn this year. But you're one of the primary selection members, and you're in charge of one of the things, Zagato, which this is Zagato's centennial year. What has you excited about the Zagato class this year? Well, Zagato to me, well, you know, you never have favorites because you never have favorite children. You never have favorites, this, that, and the other. You, you know, people often say, what's your favorite car? Well, one of my favorite designers, coach builders is Zagato. They have such evocative shapes anything built by zagato is interesting whether it's the double bubble which is the famous you know rooftop seen on so many of the cars they don't all have them but there's something about a zagato car to me says it's italy it's excitement it's a just a different sort of sports car so it's this is going to be a fabulous year we've got two classes we've got a pre-war class for some of the earliest cars built by zagato we've Obviously, Alfa Romeo, Maserati. They built a fabulous Zagato Spider on a 1932 Maserati, which was is actually a V16, amazingly. Maserati, it is a V16. They cobbled together two V8s, literally, side by side on a central drive shaft, a, si- a single crankcase, and all of a sudden you have a V16, don't you? And I think they built two, we, and there's only one surviving. Uh, it's owned by a collector in Greenwich in Connecticut. Absolutely gorgeous. Looking forward to seeing that. We have the winner of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Again, comes from Connecticut. This is an 8C2300, and this won Le Mans in 1932. I think twice, I think that 1933 as well. But it's the post-war where Zagato really took off. And we've got a great selection of Fiat 8Vs, 1900 Alfa Romeos. We've got the one and only fabulous Ferrari 250 GT Zagato owned by David and Ginny Sidoric, which is a famous car at Pebble Beach. It's been at Pebble Beach many, many times. It's featured on the poster a couple of times. But amazingly, David has never had the car judged in class and we couldn't work this out because we have a rule at pebble beach that you can't bring a car back to be judged within 10 year period well david's car has been here in the last 10 years because it's such an important zagato bodied ferrari i looked down the records i thought well we've got to have it but and then i realized that he had never had it judged so this is going to be quite a year david of course won best of show last year with his fabulous hc alpha Anyway, David's a great friend, and uh, he's bringing that back this year. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to get there. Well, you're also in charge of reviewing the post-war sports and touring classes, and I wanted to ask you about your insights into how the show field is increasingly shifting from pre-war to post-war cars. Are you seeing that happening? Very slow and gradual, but I feel that it is moving that way. I say that out loud. And then all of a sudden there's a resurgence in early antiques, for instance. In the last couple of years, we've seen a really big growth in early antique cars, brass era. I think generally it has to be a scene that, yeah, I think the post-war era, cars that you can take on tours, cars that are 
eligible for things like the Miller Millia or, or the Colorado Grand or the uh, California Miller. Cars that you can use and almost not as a daily driver necessarily, but more modern. You know, the average age of a collector's is getting bigger and younger collectors are coming in and they are more interested in cars that meant something to them perhaps as a child. So, you know, even into the 70s and 80s, and we are seeing generally in the hobby, you know, BMWs from the 1980s coming to the fore as collectible. That's not necessarily going to be at Pebble Beach, foreseeable future, but it is a general trend. And yes, I think, I mean, this year is different because we're focusing on the centennial of Bentley. And of course, Bentley were from the predominantly pre-war period, although they existed and built great cars in, uh, after the war. So in the 30s, the 20s and 30s. So it's kind of kicking the, the trend with Pebble Beach this year because it has been growing in the post-war years. I think this year we have got more, far more pre-war cars on the field in previous years. It's one of those things. Well, and I understand from Sandra that this year has the most cars coming in from overseas in the history of the Pebble Beach Concourse. So I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Well, Nick, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom for that you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor chris kimball cfp is just the man for the job he'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy for over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Nick, we're back. I'm going to put you on kind of the psychological analyst couch here today and ask you a very introspective question. If you were reborn tomorrow, manifested as a vehicle, woke up in a garage, 
what would Nick be and why? <laughs> I bet no one's ever asked you that before. No. <laughs> I wish you'd warned me. I could go down a list of who do I want to be. No, this isn't what wheels. you want to be. This is how you perceive yourself as a car. You got to get a little introspective, a little honest with me here. You know, we all want to be a sleek, you know, beautiful uh, Maserati or Lamborghini or Ferrari, but maybe we're not all that. So, no, you know what? I think now this is perhaps being a little egotistical, but I am British. And I do, despite Brexit and the craziness that's happening in government all over the place at the moment, I'm very much a Brit at heart and still very much a supporter of England. I would have to go for a British mark. Although I love Bentley, been so important in my life, I would probably go for a Lagonda. Oh, a Lagonda. Nice. You're the first Lagonda out of 1,351 people. Congratulations, Nick. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. I would go for a V12 Lagonda Rapide. Ooh. Wonderful oh. car. It does have a touch of W.O. Bentley in it because W.O. designed the engine for Lagonda. He worked for Lagonda very briefly when he left Rolls-Royce. So it, it sort of ticks that box. Yeah. You've got me going here. <laughs> but a Lagonda, to me, is one of those names that says volumes. It speaks volumes just by the sound of its name, Lagonda. It is just perfect, Lagonda. So I would be a Lagonda. There we well, are. I like it. And of course, with your wonderful British accent, it sounds even more spectacular. So uh, very nice. Well, see, the ladies at Pebble Beach said you're well-loved there, Nick. So a Lagonda Rapide is a well-loved automobile, so I think that's a good answer to that question. Thank you for taking us there. Very nice, very nice. Well, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that Lagonda throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? <laughs> drive on the right when you're in America. Drive on the left when you're in the UK. <laughs> and take everything. Always look. Okay, this was advice from my father uh -huh. that I use every single time I get behind the wheel is look to the apex. And I think you can yes. use that in life as well. Yes, Let's look ahead. Have a look, see what's coming around the corner. Yes, look way down the track. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I've heard it said that's why the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because it's what is ahead of you that is more important than what is behind you. I think it's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think generally, the what is in front is more important than what ha what is behind. Goodness yes, and be sure where you're going too. Don't look at that tree because you'll run right into it. Would you share one and and be careful for those buses when you're passing them too? They <laughs> <laughs> can put some stripes on your car. Would you share one of your personal? See, I'm going to know that about you forever. So when I see you on the lawn in a few weeks, I'm going to say, Hey, how are those stripes doing? Would you share <laughs> one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Oh, goodness gracious, doctor. <laughs> Where do you see my bill? <laughs> yeah. One of my personal habits that has contributed to my success? Yeah, yeah. Just something that you find that you do. I mean, some people are very fastidious. Some uh, exercise every day. Some eat well. Some are very detail-oriented. Uh, right. You know, mm. yeah. I think try to get along with people. Mm. Always have a smile. This sounds a little... <laughs> No, it's shallow, great. perhaps. But, you know, it's so important. People in the Concorde world are just as important as the cars. And the ability to get on with everybody, I think, is 
hugely important. I have a very short list of people I don't get on with, and which I'm not going to tell you who's on it. So that's yeah, why I might I'm know some of those folks. <laughs> Always get on with people you work with, and yeah. that's very easy at Pebble Beach. So yeah, absolutely. Treat others the way you'd like to be treated. That's a, exactly. a good rule of thumb. The old golden rule. How about a resource? Is there one? And there's a lot of resources these days. But is there one in particular that's a go-to for you? Either a website, an app you use all the time? Maybe it's the people in your lives. I don't know. Right. There are so many resources available these days. Every year I write the car guide for Pebble Beach Cars. takes me a, a good number of weeks. And so I use various resources. There's one book that is constantly on my desk when I'm writing this stuff, uh, which is the Bewley Encyclopedia of Motoring, I think it's called. I can never remember what the name it is. But the Bewley Encyclopedia of Motoring has some of the very best, not detailed, but it does actually uh, serve as a good resource for checking other sites, other sources. The, the internet, you know, it's. I believe the internet has got better over the years, but it's always paid whenever you're looking up histories of cars or you're delving into different marks, always check three or four different sources before you say, no, this is the way, because there's always, there are always different stories. There's always different approaches and different histories on everything so you always need to check it out but it's a fascinating subject that's what keeps me going i learn something new every single day incredible so nick if i could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to sit down on the lawn at pebble beach and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would that be well i am privileged lucky beyond belief to have met some of my childhood heroes i've had conversations with people like sterling moss with people like sir jackie stewart with drivers with designers andrea zagato chatting about car design but if there was one person i would like to sit down with be wo bentley i really mean this he was a very modest man my father did know him and he tells great stories of how modest a person he was. I think he was quite difficult to work with. But from his first designs, when they first ran a three-liter engine in a muse in London in the end of 1919, and to have built a small empire up until 1930, 31, when it was sold to Rolls-Royce. But that name, Bentley, has continued to this day and is still stands for excellence and excitement, to my mind. So W.O. Bentley, I would do an awful lot to sit down and chat to W.O. Bentley, who was there at the beginning of the great heyday of motor racing in the 20s, Le Mans and others at Brooklands, where I am also privileged to have been involved in in my sort of recent past. Brooklyn's is a great place where it all happened, and Bentley made its name there. And so, yeah, there we go. That would be Dr. pretty Bentley, cool. let's invite him to dinner. Yes. That would be great. I think yeah. that would be pretty nice. Yeah, I know a few good restaurants down there at Pebble Beach. We could have a great meal together. That would be fantastic. Yes, yes. Well, I always ask my guests about their favorite book, and I know there's lots of books. And you mentioned this wonderful book, The Bewley Encyclopedia of Automobile. I think there's a multi-volume set of those, if I'm not correct. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. is yeah. Would that be the book you'd recommend to people? I mean, it's pretty impressive. Well, yeah, it's probably not exactly airline reading. A book that I've read many, many times, and you know, this underlines where I am. I am stuck in the 1950s. 
There's a book written by Duncan Hamilton, who was a driver for Jaguar, who won Le Mans in the 50s, and it's called Touchwood. It's his life story, and in it, he was a funny guy. He enjoyed life to the fullest extent, as does his son, Adrian, still. But that book, Touchwood, is a book that I must have read a dozen times and still could go back and, and read it again. You Fabulous. know, it's a great book. I had Adrian as a guest on this show. He was a guest back in uh, April of 2016, guest number 497. So you listeners can go back and listen to Adrian. I got to spend a wonderful day with Adrian out in his country home looking at some very spectacular Ferraris. He picked a friend of mine and I up at the airport and drove us out to his country home. I thought I was going to die the entire drive. He's obviously picked up his father's driving prowess. Seriously, I was in the back seat thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to die here in England. This is <laughs> this guy's crazy. But he was such a gentleman, so much fun. And that book, he gave me a copy of that book. Oh, um, gosh, how which, lovely. Yeah, which is on my shelf, yeah. signed it for me. So yeah, touch wood. Wonderful book. I'll put links to that book and the Bewley Encyclopedia of Automobile Volumes on Nick's show notes page on the Cars Yow website. And you'll find all my guest books listed under guest recommended books under the resources tab. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Nick. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. That's right. Christmas time here. Santa Claus is here. But there are some rules to this game that might make it a challenge. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens. Just be careful between the buses. And it's the only collector car that you can own and have in your garage. So choose wisely, my friend. This is a question that everybody is asked or asks. I ask people and it's virtually impossible. But there is one car that I keep coming back to because I go around this, that, and the other, and I look at cars that I own, and I think, well, yeah, they're, they're great. I love them. If it's one car and any value anywhere else in the world, but I believe it's ungettable, but it would – oh, no, you see, I'm, I'm going off track. It's I'm okay. now looking at three cars. No, I can't. <laughs> okay. Just the today, just today. You've set us up. We're all in anticipation oh, here. You can't gosh. let us down, Nick. I know. Okay. You have to fly to Florida. You have to go and knock on the front door of Mr. Miles Collier. You have to persuade him. And it's, I think it would be very difficult to persuade him. But what I would like is the Cunningham C4RK that is in his museum. And it's the coupe, the only closed race car that Cunningham built. It is the only one that exists. It's in fabulously original condition, probably too good and too original to drive mm, every day. But that's it. You give me the keys to that, and I would be happy forever. Well, go. yeah, I think so. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> darn... Well, has anybody else got that? No, just him. So, yeah, so you'd be the only guy. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I have a wonderful picture on my wall that was taken by uh, Michael Furman of that car. Uh, he did a wonderful photo shoot of that car from the front of it. It just looks like it's going to eat you alive, like a giant shark coming at you. White, beautiful English white, blue stripes. Oh. You, know, you know the reason why it's blue and white, don't you? You tell our audience. I do, but I want to hear it from your lips. All right. I think I'm right. Because I heard this possibly 
I've sort of known this in my head, but I'd love to know if it's true. So when they were establishing motor international motor racing before the war, England, Britain was given green. So we had British racing green. Italy had red, as we all know. France had blue. You, the United States was given a cream white or white body, but with a blue chassis rail. Because at the time, chassis were exposed, so I think they painted the chassis rails blue. Or at least there was a combination of that. When Briggs Cunningham built the first cars to race, and I think I'm right in saying that his cars were probably the first American-built international race cars, and they needed to have a color. Of course, the chassis were not visible. And somebody, and I think I know who it was, gave him the idea of painting the blue stripes down the middle of the car to represent the chassis rails. And I think that's the story. It sounds like the story I've heard as well. And I think you hit right the mark there, Nick. Beautiful car. Obviously, Miles Collier involved with the Revs Institute. Marvelous organization of information, vehicles, and history. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I'm going to jump in my jet, fly down to Florida for you, knock on his door. Thank you. We'll see if he answers. And, I'll uh, make some room in the garage. Yes, um, please do. Yeah. <laughs> but first, I'm going to drive it back from Florida to Pebble Beach, and then we'll take it around the track at Luguna Seca for the historic races and have some fun, and then uh, then we'll uh, ship it back to your home there in England. So, ah, oh, it's fun to dream here. Well, Nick, you've taken me on a fantastic ride. I knew this was going to be fun. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you to Candace and Sandra and Katie at the Pebble Beach Concours for suggesting you be a guest on the show. Also want to thank my good friend from the Forest Grove Concord, Alan Stevens. He originally suggested that I talk to you as well. I know you do some things with them as well. So this has been utterly fantastic. Before I let you go, though, could you offer us a little uh, piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off in the sunset in Miles Collier's Cunningham C4RK? Wisdom, life or cars or what? Anything you want to share today, Nick? Ah. Uh. Goodness. Remember that we only go around once. Remember that family is all important. And remember that the small stuff doesn't necessarily matter, but the big picture is the most important thing. Don't get hung up on the little stuff. Well Think said. Of the big stuff. Yeah, well said. Is there a way for people to follow along with you in your world these days? I don't think so. I'm not very uh, visible You're online. You're not very social, eh? <laughs> I'm not very sexual. <laughs> Only on the lawn at Pebble. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll remind all my listeners to check out pebblebeachconcord.net. If you're going to be fortunate enough to join Nick and I and all the wonderful people and vehicles on the lawn at Pebble Beach, the 69th Annual Pebble Beach Concord Elegance that takes place Sunday, August 18th, make sure you come up, say hello to me, say hello to Nick. It's going to be a fantastic time. I can't wait to see you there. Thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise you're sharing and sharing your experiences and your wit and wisdom until you and i talk again nick i'll see you on the lawn at the pebble beach concours d'elegance looking forward to it and great to be part of the program thank Thanks. you thank you hey mark green here from cars yeah did you know you can now see me 
on the Cars Yeah! TV show. It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah! TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!